0: He's been advisor to presidents Clinton and Trump, and now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Clouds to the left of me, jokers to the right.
1: Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. You know, Biden can't get it right with technology. <clears throat> Up in the sky, he's got balloons. On the ground, he's got trains. And none of them are working. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's technically challenged uh, in, by anything that happens. His incompetence, his inability to adjust to stuff, is so on display. So we can talk a little bit about the train derailment, and I'm here with a guy who's always derailed anyway, <laughs> and my buddy Doug DePiro. Um, The artist, the politician, the advisor, the everything.
0: (laughs) Um, Derailed. Maybe Joe Biden could come and help us with our air
1: conditioning. Deranged and derailed. (laughs) Uh, The the Secretary of Transportation has very little to do. He sits there in his office and watches as the systems all around him work. Then when they break, he's supposed to be involved. Mm -hmm. But Pete Buttigieg, who is now the number three ranking Democratic candidate for president, in the polling after Biden and Harris comes Buttigieg, has proven a total and complete failure both times. Uh, When the Southwest Airlines was screwed up and there were delays in every single flight, he did nothing, in effect, totally ineffective. And now with the derailment, he's totally ineffective. Uh, Hasn't even visited the scene. Now, Trump showed him up, really, or is showing him up on Wednesday by going to the scene of the derailment. And that's that's a very good move. It kicks off, it's really part of his whole campaign. And it's always a good advice, always good policy for the president to go somewhere. Whenever anything is happening, just go. Uh, talk to your staff on the way there, but be there. And Biden's total failure to be there shows what an incompetent he is and how unable to do the job of president he is. Uh, the Now, why do we have the rail system like that? <laughs> well, part of it is that we don't have pipelines. Pipelines do not derail. And if we have toxic waste like vinyl chloride, instead of holding your breath and putting them on a train, or worse, putting them on a truck, uh, put them in a pipeline and use pipeline technology the way it's supposed to be used to stop this stuff from reaching civilian populations. Uh, so by killing Keystone, Biden has not only killed the way for us to get the oil, but a way for us to get rid of the toxic wastes without endangering ourselves, and uh, and and that's a that's a very important thing. Uh, I I can't uh, I can't believe that Buttigieg just sits there when this is happening with absolutely no um, no plans, no ideas to what to do. And Biden seems to take it in complete stride. This, these, this overturned truck, a railroad car, will endanger hundreds of people uh, and can cause a great many deaths. And yet there's absolutely no focus on making it work and doing it okay.
0: In the past administrations, how did they handle it? What did they
1: do? Well, they didn't have derailments like this. <laughs> but, when <they laughs> but, did. but when they did, the Secretary of Transportation goes right to the scene. I know in the Clinton administration, Federico Pena, the Transportation Secretary was there whenever anything like this happened. They assess happened. it, they look. They yeah, and, they, and also they bring FEMA in right away. Uh, here there was kind of the balloon up in the sky and the derailment <laughs> on the ground. And Biden has long ago lost the capacity to do two things at once. Mm. And he just couldn't focus on both of these. It was was kind of incredible. Um, so while that's going on, he has problems in the skies. While that's happening, he's got difficulty with the balloon overhead. And um, But go back to the train for a minute. We have a wonderful song for the train that... I want us to play. I
0: think his uh, son is driving it too, by the way, Hunter. But because you hear the song, you'll see why his son was probably driving that train. Driving that train, how cocaine, Casey Jones, better watch your speed, trouble ahead, Travel behind.
1: that's that's a good idea to drug test people who are use who are, have the, who are, whose fathers are running for president or who are running the train system in the country and um, the failure to do that is, is pretty evident but while the trains are derailing he's completely helpless in the face of balloons overhead he has no idea what they are for the first time we're having people actually believe there are indeed ufo's with Martians and little green men on it, and uh, this problem with UFOs is uh, is just becoming incredibly intense because nobody knows what they are.
0: Look up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, Spins
1: When I was was young, uh, when I was about 10 years old, my mother was a writer, a fairly well-known one, and uh, she had an interview with a guy named Mort Weisinger, who was the creator of Superman. And she told me, I was about eight, and she said, Superman is coming to dinner tonight. (laughs) So when he rang the bell and I opened the door, this short, fat, bald guy walks in, and I said... That Superman? He <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> said he got, got that reaction a lot. <laughs> Stupid man. Yeah. But I have a basic question that, that nobody's really answering, and I'd love to hear the answer to it. What technology is there that you can, can monitor from a balloon, but you can't monitor from a spy satellite? Spy satellites have the visual technology that is second to none and can literally read what, what dollar denomination you're holding out when you hold out a 20 or something. Uh, they can read license plates off cars from several miles up. Right. What advantage is a balloon? So I asked, uh, the, I asked one of the generals who's on Newsmax a lot, I think James Holt, and he said the answer is digital information. It's not so much that they can look, it's that they can hear uh, what you're getting. And they can hear the digital traffic going on. Really? And it gives them a significant edge whenever any problems occur. And uh, so, so probably that's what we're talking about. But you can't escape the feeling with this situation with the derailment and the balloon that Joe Biden doesn't have a clue what the F is going on. I mean, none. His staff doesn't. He doesn't. If it's in the normal realm of everything, hollering about the debt limit or criticizing NAGA Republicans as crazies, he can do that. But throw him a curveball. Throw him a new situation. Right. Uh, even a very and, and low-tech train, high-tech a spy satellite makes no difference. He's completely blind to that stuff. You can't and, do an audible. Yeah. And the inability of the president to respond is just becoming very clear and was on display this week. And Biden's popul- Biden's job approval this week sank from 42 to 40, which may not sound like much. But the entire State of the Union speech, with all the lead-up to it, all the talk about he'll announce his candidacy afterwards, all about the hour-long speech and the applauding and all of that, moved his job approval from 40 to 46. So at 40 to 44. now Then it dropped to 42, and now it's back to 40. Uh, so it's, it, it's gone with a balloon. Uh, it's derailed just like the train is. And uh, well, this comes at a time when Biden is considering whether he's able to run for re-election. Mm-hmm. And Michelle and others are considering whether to jump in and preempt him. And he, he needed a high job approval at this point. Let me just spend a second on job approval and its impact. You look at a graph of Biden's job approval and you see that it was stuck in basically the low 40s, 40 to 42 month after month after month. And then in November of 40 November of 22, you see a spike, a 2 point spike, completely flat and then there's a spike like a heartbeat in a blood pressure machine. And that spike gave him control of the Senate. That two-point or three-point jump in job approval is probably the single most important cause of the Republican defeats in 22. So when he loses four points or five points of job approval since the State of the Union speech, that is a big, big deal.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77
1: WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right.
0: Here I am, stuck in the middle
1: with you. Boy, did I just hear right? Did they just have, did you all just have an add-on where you had Brian Kilmeade attacking... Uh, West Virginia or someplace for investing in rare earth minerals? Are you kidding me? Rare earth minerals are the absolute essential element that we need. All they do is power every single computer, every single cell phone, every single data analysis. That's it? They power our guidance systems for our missiles. They power the ability to use cruise missiles, precision guided hits. They cut. They power our radar. And without rare earth minerals, we don't have anything. And we had 80% of the rare earth minerals in the United States. And then the EPA closed it down. And they closed it down because the left wanted it closed down. They didn't realize back then, they were too dumb to understand, that they couldn't have their solar batteries and their wind farms without rare earth minerals. But they, so without realizing that, they forced the closures. And the way they forced the closures was incredible. Apparently, rare earth minerals are mined coincident with radioactive material. They are not radioactive, but they're found right next to the uranium that is. And when you take one out, you take the other out. So the National, Energy, National Nuclear Regulatory System got involved and said, hey, these are radioactive minerals that are coming out of the ground. And the rare earth firm said, no, they're not. These are not radioactive. They just happen to be sitting next to them. So the Nash Nuclear Regulatory Commission said, the hell with that. We are asserting jurisdiction over your mining of rare earth minerals. Even though they're not radioactive, they have nothing to do with nuclear, they simply are there, and that's what we're doing. And then what happened was that they, we, the rare earth mineral people were suddenly subject to all of the regulations that nuclear power mining is subject to. They had to produce safety reports. They had to have backup systems. They had to have evacuation plans, all of the many red tape requirements that anybody in the nuclear industry has. And they said these costs are bankrupting us. And the then and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the international body, said we're requiring this of all of our members – not just the United States. But China's not a signatory. So they told them to go fly a kite.
0: Really? And
1: they started to build rare earth mineral mines that did not have any of these safety features that the federal government and the World Health Organization wanted us to have in our rare earth mines. And the result is that they were able to produce rare earth minerals like crazy and our guys went out of business. So in 1990... We had 80% of the world's rare earth mineral production. Now we're down around 10 or 15%. And it's because of this useless, needless, totally ridiculous and absurd regulation that NRSC, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, imposed.
0: Nothing like changing the playing field.
1: Yeah, but Brian Kilmeade, check your damn facts. It's really important that we do mine this stuff. Now, yesterday I had my um, TV show that I do every week on Newsmax called Democracy, and I had a guest on named um, um, Mike Wilkinson, Wilkinson. and uh, we talked about some of the issues that you and I spoke about on the show last week uh, about digital currency, about uh, the bail-ins, where depositors have to save the banks. It was really an incredible, unbelievable show. Uh, actually, it's on today again, as soon as I'm off the air here. Oh, uh, 1
0: o'clock. At
1: 1 o'clock, yeah, on Newsmax. But um, Sandra has a comment on that from New Jersey. Hi, Sandra.
0: Oh, I had two questions. That was my second one. Yeah, I, he he's incredible. I'm going to watch it again at 1 o'clock. But I wanted to know how we... Can save our money if they're going to start take the government will take yeah. our money digitally. But I have to watch it again to understand it better. Okay. But if you could-
1: let me let me explain it again, or better, I hope. Um, right now, you get a paycheck and you cash it and you get you put the money in your checking account or in your wallet. Either way, you can do anything you want with it. You can go out and spend it on a movie or on a restaurant or a dinner or buy yourself. Uh, a, a trampoline or something <laughs> you can oh, really? do you can do whatever you want with it. What the federal government what the Federal reserve board the federal Reserve banks want to do is to replace your cash with digital cash, and that digital cash will sit in your wallet, sit in your checking account, but with two big differences. The first is the government will keep track of every single transaction you have. They will know every time you spend money, every time you write a check, every time you walk into a store. And secondly, if they don't like the way you're spending the money, the government can flick a switch and turn your money off. Just like if you have a bank card and you have 1000 bucks in the bank, and you go to buy something and the clerk says, your card won't go through. They don't know why you can't argue back with the machine. And if the government decided that, no, you shouldn't buy this gun... Or no, you bought too many fossil fuels already, we're not going to let you buy this gas. We're not going to let you spend it on whatever you want to spend it on. Your money becomes a useless piece of plastic, and you can't use it at all. So first, the government monitors it, and secondly, the government can turn it off any time they want. Now, this is precisely and exactly the tool of control that the Chinese Communist Party uses in China. They have one hundred and twenty million people on digital currency right now, six billion dollars of digital currency in circulation, one point two million merchants who only accept digital currency. so it's taking over China and the reason they do it is that it's a key element in their politically correct rating system where you where you have where the problem is that if you're watching stuff the government doesn't approve of or you're engaging in activities they don't like, or you have thoughts that they don't think are appropriate, they can give you a low political correct score. Like a credit rating. A credit check, yeah, Mm -hmm. credit rating. Mm -hmm. And and you can't fly, you can't take a bus, you can't rent a good apartment, you can't get a good job, your Mm -hmm. kid can't get into good education, Mm -hmm. all because of your political correct score. This is the start of that in the United States. This will permit the government to grade you based on what you're doing. So if you think I'm crazy, and this is conspiracy theory, okay, think again. Let's think five years from now, ten years from now, when everybody has an electric car or a hydrogen car, and you go into the gas station, you want to fill up your car with gas, with petrol, petroleum. And the politically correct digital currency guy says, no, you can't do that. We're not going to let you do that. Well you go into an arms store, a, a gun shop, and you say, "I want to buy a rifle," and the background check says, "No, you can't." They can turn off your credit, your dollar card, your bank card, in effect, so you can't use it. And problem getting a, a motorcycle or a
0: classic car? I gotta be able to buy my. Yeah, car. you
1: probably will. Uh, I mean, very I'm many people go. will have problems with stuff because the government has problems with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, for God's sake, they want to ban wood stoves. That's so you go to buy a cord of wood. We you go to buy a wood stove or, get or a, uh, a gas heater, they're going to turn you off. Uh, anything that runs afoul of their green agenda, they'll just flick a switch. And, you know, when they say your money is no good here, right. well, your money is no good here. They mean it. Now, Sandra asked the key question, which is what do we do about it? Right now what we can do is we can fight against it coming here uh, because the uh, federal government has yet to adopt it. It's in, uh, it's in a pilot phase now in the New York Federal Reserve. And we can protest against it, we can fight against it, and we might be able to stop it. But the other thing is that eventually what this means is get your assets out of the government's control. Take it away from the government being able to turn it off. Let me give you a more terrifying example. In Cyprus, banks failed in 2013. And instead of bailing out the banks, the Cyprus government, with the blessing of the IMF, went to the banks in Cyprus and said, we want you to take the money from the checking accounts of your depositors. And they said, you mean the stock accounts? And they said, no, not the equity accounts, the checking accounts. And we will instantly convert every checking account into an equity in the bank account. So you thought you had 2000 in the bank. You don't. You're now a shareholder of the bank for 2000 bucks, And we are going to seize that 2000 bucks because your bank is in danger of failing. And that system has now been adopted for the United States. The Federal Reserve Board has said we will not do bailouts anymore. We will do what they're calling bail-ins, which means you pay for it because you have a checking account there. You have no control over the bank. You can't make the decisions. You're not in charge of anything. All you are is a depositor but your money can be used to bail out, bail in the bank, is what it's called. So what do you do about it? Well, there is a company that uh, I don't know yet, and it's in the process of developing, and this is a long-term answer. You get an account where you can put gold in the bank, or in not the bank, into a format with a private company, and they give you a credit card based on your gold, and, it, and you buy gold a- Gold is your bank account. Yeah. You buy $100 of groceries, you have $100 less gold. Mm -hmm. You deposit a little more gold, you have more gold. And you basically use your gold instead of currency.
0: Concrete is tangible.
1: But more importantly, not government-controlled. Right. Something the government doesn't run. Whenever you're dealing with dollars, you're dealing with something the government is running.
0: GoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here
1: I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Hey, so let me go to Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Hi, Tony. Hi.
0: So I was thinking about the whole concept of approval ratings,
1: and I think right. it's such I, – I read about how they do it, and it's so obtuse because
0: it seems like the people who are – they are polling um, really are very sort of desensitized to really what they're looking into. It's almost as if they're on a I approve kind of a a That's mode right. because of party. Oh.
1: and Well, good. Good point, Tony. Let me explain how they do it and how it should be done. The, most of this, there, there are three ways to do a poll. You can do it in person, you can do it by phone, or you can do it online. In person, it's prohibitively expensive and takes way too long. You can do it by phone, but most many people don't have landlines. Uh, many cell phones, you can't tell where they're from because my cell phone still has my old area code on it, even when I'm not there. And uh, you can use cell phones, but you also have to use the Internet. And the prob- So to use the Internet, the problem is, in survey research, you have to make sure that everybody has an equal chance to participate in your poll. And then you screen the ones that qualify, and then you take them. If you make it so only redheads can do it, you're going to get a screwed-up <laughs> sample. So... What they do is that they recruit – they, they can't just keep emailing millions of people until they get someone who's going to participate. So they recruit panels of people. They say, would you be willing to take surveys with us? And each time you take a survey, you have a chance to win the trip to the Cancun hmm. and uh, a free trip to Cancun. And we'll select one out of every 10,000 callers and give them the free trip. Interesting. And they sign up and they say, yeah, we want the free trip. And there are lesser rewards, but you you get the point. Now, to do that, to get the free trip or qualify it, they have to answer the questions. And to take the poll and answer the questions, they have to basically sometimes give the pollster what he wants to hear uh, or what they think they want to hear. But you get a lot of people who are not voters, don't plan to vote, don't follow politics but just take the survey, give the answers that they think they're supposed to give so that they can qualify for the trip. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the problems you have with polling. Now approval rating, the only reason it's significant is that it's historic. It's been asked every week since 1930s. And you can follow the trends in presidential approval scores and it gives you a historical frame of reference to understand politics, but you're right, Tony, it is a flawed mechanism. Now, we have a new candidate running for president, uh, Nikki Haley, who is taking on Donald Trump. And Nikki Haley, well, I don't think she has much chance to win. I think her candidacy is like a Haley Mary pass, (laughs) you know, where you're losing the game and just throw it into the end zone, you hope somebody catches it, a Haley Mary pass. And I think that Nikki Haley is, in her candidacy, most akin to Haley's Comet. Uh, So that's what I think of her.
0: a little stretch, a little bit of a stretch, but it's
1: good. Now, Donald Trump has an interesting attitude when somebody's running against him. I talked to him two days ago, and he said, Goody, great, more the merrier. Come on in. The water's fine. He's funny. But, no, he wants people to run against him because he knows that there are two kinds of voters in a Republican primary uh, and in the general election, those who are for Trump and those who are against Trump. Those who are for Trump are not going to be seduced into voting for DeSantis or for Nikki Haley or for Mike Pence or for anybody else. They're going to vote for Donald Trump. Those who are against Trump are going window shopping now saying, hey, mm-hmm. can you, let me see what this candidate's like. Let me see what this person's like. In fact, it was seven years since Donald Trump burst on the scene politically and saved us from Hillary Clinton and put the Republican Party back in power. And many voters are getting the seven-year itch. <laughs> they're That's looking boring. around. They're following whatever else is out there. They're saying, boy, what I have maybe isn't that great. And uh, they're window shopping for candidates. And they come up with DeSantis and with Haley and with Mike Pence and with uh, Mike Pompeo and whoever else they come, Jim, or Tim Scott. But it's just window shopping. And basically what it means is that the anti-Trump vote is divided Seven or eight ways, and none of these primaries have runoffs. All of these primaries are simply the first. The person in first place wins the delegates. So it's not like it's a whittling down process. If you have a seven-way field, the front runner is going to win every time, and it's going to be Trump, and it's going to stay Trump. Now, Nikki Haley herself, uh, she's just a, a wannabe. She. She was UN ambassador. She was governor of South Carolina. Best comment about her I heard was from um, um, a famous conservative. Rep- oh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh yeah. Who said that she's she's Jeb Bush in heels? <laughs> <laughs> because she comes from the same party, the same wing of the party that Jeb Bush does. Bush the heels. Bushes, and uh, they, the Bushes, and the. Trumps are like the Hatfields and the McCoys, and they have battled for the control of the Republican Party ever since 2016. When the, when the Bush dynasty said, well, now it's time for Jeb. Thank you, George H.W. Thank you, George W. Now it's time for Jeb. And he ran for president, and he ran smack into Donald Trump. Oh and Trump destroyed him. not only move. knocked him out, but knocked him out of politics and made a mockery of him. He called him low-energy Jeb, and everybody was laughing like hell at him. And it became clear that this was an empty suit who was just carrying a famous name. Sure. And the Bush family has never forgiven Donald Trump right. for that. And that's why Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. the daughter of, of Mike Cheney. Oh, John. The jo-
0: oh, oh, yeah, right. The Dick, Dick Cheney. The Dick
1: Cheney, yeah. uh, uh, Bush's vice president, right. took him on as a member of Congress, and she did that because it was a revenge hit for the Bush family. It was part of the ongoing war between the Bushes and the Trumps.
0: And that also with McCain also and his daughter? Yeah,
1: McCain was
0: part of that, and his daughter, and his
1: daughter siding against Trump. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's all it is, and, uh, and she really has nothing to run on. Uh, she's hoping to use the age issue, and listen to how she's trying to thread it. Mm-hmm. She says, it's a serious problem that Biden is 80 and he's addled and he's demented and so on. But Trump is kind of right behind him. Yeah, sure. But he's not addled, he's not demented, but he's old, so let's throw him out anyway. Yeah. And that's like you go in to get a job and somebody says, how old are you? And you say 75 and they say, oh, well, we won't look at you. We're not hiring people over the age of 50. And that kind of age discrimination is really what's going on. Right. I told Trump that line, and he said, Age, of course. Didn't you see me? I shot 70 today. Yeah, that was <laughs> Out of 18 holes. 70 for Jesus those of you who are but golfers. Did you see that shot? I hit it over is, the hill. It's pretty damn good. And uh, anybody would like to do that. So
0: no, he's in some shape, that guy.
1: But Nick, don't knock Nikki Haley. And the reason they haven't closed, closed in on her and gone crazy is we like her. And we like Pompeo. And we like DeSantis. And we like Pence. Right. And we like them all. We like Scott. We like everybody. We like um, Goodkin. Get a room. We like Abbott. Come on, guys. Everybody come in. <laughs> Yay. And you all get one-tenth of the anti-Trump Wee. vote, right. which is 30% of the vote. So you can get three points each. Congratulations. Goodie. Let's have a victory party. <laughs> so that's how they're thinking about this. Um, let, let's go to Ralph in New Jersey. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Ralph. Well, you know, thank you uh, once again, uh, Dick Morris. This one happened in, in, uh, in Ohio pretty much described the state, uh, the sad, sorry state of affair with Joseph Biden and what a pain rate he is. You know, he doesn't know what the F is going on. And uh, one thing I agree with Obama is this, okay, when he said God. Do not ever underestimate Joseph Biden and how he f things up. No, we see that happening Obama right, right now. Obama said that. What did o- he say? Obama said, "Never underestimate Biden's ability to f things up." Well, I don't remember. <laughs> it that. said while he was president. He said that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. That's Let's go to Monique in Rhode Island with some thoughts about the derailment.
0: Hi, Dick. I wanted to ask you I about Ukraine. Uh, And all the lavish funding that President Biden is sending their way is so much so that this week we learned that some of that money is going to go to to fund Ukrainians' pensions, you know, at a a time when our 401ks have taken a real hit and the Social Security fund is not secure. So my question for you is, I mean, it, it just seems to me that. You know, Ukraine is a popular cause, and that is the only reason that President Biden is supporting it and sending our hard-earned tax dollars there. I'm wondering what you think about that.
1: Disagree totally. I'm against his spending money for pensions and what they call economic aid. But um, I'm for his sending all of the military hardware and all of the funds to buy military hardware that he possibly can. Uh, I lived through the Cold War. It was my—I don't know how old you are, Monique—but it was where I when I where I grew up, and Russia has always been the major threat to the United States. And when communism was overthrown, I celebrated. In fact, I worked hard on—I helped Yeltsin get elected. And then when Putin took over, I said, "Oh, damn! This is the return of this Russian imperialism." And when he invaded Ukraine. I said, oh, there it goes, there goes Ukraine, next is going to be Moldova, next is going to be uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, next is going to be Poland, next will be Germany. And the idea that just like Hitler, he picks them off one at a time and the allies always say, hey, it's not me, thank God, it's somebody else, right. I'm not going to pay attention to him." It's like a, when a lion is hunting with a herd of antelope. He goes after the weakest antelope. And the other antelopes say, oh, thank God that wasn't me. And <laughs> they just run on. Well, that was Charlie. Yeah. Leave him alone. And then <laughs> he, the lion gets hungry again, and then he picks up Charlie that guy. Charlie was slow. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thank God we found in Ukraine a willing country to fight for its freedom and to say no to the Russians and to put up a very, very strong resistance and uh that is terrific that is tremendous and they deserve all the support we can possibly give them and don't stint on it because if we don't beat the Russians here we're going to have to beat them in the but, next, but country, how, next country next country
0: next country how do we control that money gets appropriated properly
1: well we have to make sure that we have to make sure that every time we spend money from our uh, reserve or from our strategic weapon stockpile, it's replaced. But you know, war is wasteful.
0: No, I'm talking about Ukraine. Yeah, they war is money, wasteful. They get money. They get a billion dollars. How do we know it's not going in these dudes' pockets? Well, you don't really. You don't. Uh,
1: but you have to. But they're pretty good people. Okay. They're very committed to their country. Uh, about thirty thousand of them have died. Uh, killed about sixty thousand Russians. Uh, and that's a pretty good oh, measure. That's the
0: number thirty thousand Ukraine. 60. I'm not sure of the right, thirty. I am sure of the okay. sixty. Wow!
1: And uh, you know their deaths and their stand, battlefield stance is a pretty good indication that they have more important things to do than to pocket the money. Okay, good. And and I I trust them. I do. Talk radio 77 WABC.
0: It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. To the, me, to the right Here I am stuck in the middle
1: with you Let's go to Stu, one of my favorite callers from Brooklyn. Hey,
0: Stu. Hey, Hi, Stu. Good afternoon. Dick, uh, I'm in the coffee business and I'm watching the price of coffee on the C contract, which is
1: 37,500 pounds uh, go down because the dollar went up because interest rates were raised. The point is, it's a commodity, just like gold, and it's, gold is just as easily manipulated by the Fed playing with rates and central banks getting together and declaring they're buying gold, selling gold. So the value of your, your gold stock is always going to be, uh, you're going to be at the mercy of the government. Mm hmm. Good point. Um, I think that on gold-based currencies, they'd be talking not about the spot price, but the but the actual delivery price. Uh, but I don't know the answer to that, uh, Stu. And I'm going to check that. I'm going to call my friends at Patriot Gold, and I'm going to ask them that. And next week on the show, I will answer that. Good, remind good. me, Jack. Call uh, let's us. go to uh, Chris in New Jersey. Hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, uh, hi Dick. Hi. hi. Um, I feel I feel sorry for Trump. I think he's a tragic hero, and uh, he's done so much. And he, for a former president, he's so alone. He's had so few people to fight with him uh, since the uh, what I believe was a fraud in twenty twenty. And yeah, how does save, save your tears? He's got a consolation prize. He's going to be the next president. Yeah. Um, but you asked him the question: Who's running this country? And the answer is Barack Obama. You are now in the end of Obama's third term. Mm. And any time Obama wants to pull the plug on Joe Biden, all he has to do is put Michelle into the race. And Biden goes down the drain. And uh, never forget that the president of the United States is still Barack Hussein Obama. And his candidate is Michelle. And if at any point he decides that Michelle can win... He'll put her in the race, and Biden will go away. What's stopping him from doing that now? That He probably thinks Michelle can't win. He probably thinks the economy is so screwed up that no Democrat is going to be able to win, and he doesn't want to be blamed for it, and he doesn't want his legacy to be tarnished. But the decision as to whether Biden is, that is running for president or not will be made exclusively by one man, Barack Obama. Wow. Now, in the meantime... DeSantis looked really good three months ago, coming off the heels of the disappointing 22 return, returns coming off the heels of a massive win in Florida, a swing state, and with policies that are very reminiscent of Trump, taking on Disney World, uh, banning uh, critical race theory Trump and fight. gender craziness in fourth grade classes. Oh my. And uh, going and uh, deporting illegal immigrants to other states so that they can see what it's like. Those are all brilliant, wonderful policies. And, uh, and I really applaud DeSantis. I think he's great. I believe that after four years of Trump, because he can't run for two terms, we should have eight years of DeSantis. Oh, that's great. Twelve years of And the creativity that this guy is showing in figuring out how to take the limited powers of governor and make them rival those of a president to highlight national issues is a level of creativity and optimism and energy that I really admire. But he ain't no Donald Trump. We have no idea if he can run the economy. The delicate balance between too much inflation and too much unemployment and be in the middle like a tightrope walker and succeed in getting job growth without inflation is an incredible feat. And that Donald Trump did that is beyond belief, fantastic, um, and and I think they credit Larry Kudlow with a lot of that. But it's Trump that picked Kudlow and Trump that sure. ran with him. Uh, the concept of balancing between going to war and threatening and intimidating China, Russia, and North right. Korea and Iran was a wonderful balancing act.
0: Eliminating and he succeeded
1: ISIS. in making sure that they were. In, that they were cowed, that they didn't invade anybody else. Balancing Act. Uh, and, and when he, uh, on illegal immigration, when he said, I'm going to stop it at its source, and he went to Mexico and they said, you better stop these people from coming into the country. And if you don't, you're not going to sell any products in the United States. I'm going to impose a tariff that will curl your hair. <laughs> and they backed off. And there was no illegal immigration. You don't get that kind of intelligence, that kind of thinking, just by looking it off the grass. So um, uh, I believe that DeSantis is, uh, is, is going, going, gone. Slip
0: sliding away, slip sliding away, you know the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away.
1: Two months ago, three months ago, the smart money said, yeah, Trump is ahead, but he's slipping all of the investigations, the classified documents he took home, uh, the uh, Jan- who's responsible for January 6th. All of that stuff has created in an environment which is really hurting him, and he's slipping and DeSantis is the is the new Trump, and he's going to beat him because he has Trump's policies but not his personality. And now that's gone. Uh, Trump has moved his approval rating up decisively ahead of DeSantis' and ahead of everybody else. Uh, He has a positive, (gasps) favorable, unfavorable ratio, whereas Biden doesn't and DeSantis doesn't and no other candidate does. Because Trump has really been able to improve his image and really show that he's not always fighting with people but is making affirmative positive proposals for the future. And they're wonderful proposals. Everybody looks at the crime rate and wrings their hands. And Trump says, if there's a prosecutor that won't go after crime, I'm going to replace him and sending U.S. marshals to do the job instead. I love that. He says that if a school is demanding critical race theory for fourth graders, they're going to lose their federal aid. I won't give them any money. He says that if a jurisdiction is laying off police officers and cutting back on police budget, defunding the police, well, I'll defund their government, too, and cut back and cut off their federal aid. Leadership. He knows how to lead. He knows how to be strong. He knows how to make stuff stick. And now when we're facing this ordeal of censorship by the FBI, by Twitter, and by high tech, Trump says that if any college or university— Censors speech. Censors free speech. They will lose their federal funding. The kids will lose their scholarship aid. I want free speech on any campus that gets federal assistance. He said that that I'm not going to let anybody censor the Internet. And he said that anybody that does is going to lose their protections under Section 230 that says you can't sue us because we're like a publisher. And he can't sue the newspaper because of of uh, stuff. And I'm going to, but what Trump says is I'm going to strip away those protections, and they're going to have to learn not to censor people. (laughs) Diego. So Sandra asked a good question, and, you know, she has another because I so. cut her off too soon. Hi, Sandra.
0: Oh, oh, thank you so much.
1: I, I wanted to ask you, you know that Donald Trump can charm a snake. Why can't he maybe <laughs> fix the rift with, you know, you know, like, you know,
0: um, Fox News or Murdoch? I mean, why can't he try to fix
1: the rift with the For one big reason. Murdoch wants to run the country. Murdoch wants a president who says, yes, sir, no, sir, signs on the dotted line and does whatever Murdoch wants. He's morphed from a media guy to a political boss, would-be puppeteer, and Donald Trump told him to go to hell. He's not going to be able to do that, and he knows that he won't be able to do it with Trump, and that's the reason the big money guys in the Republican Party are all opposing Trump, because he doesn't need them. Uh, Donald Trump raises his money online. Uh, Trump raised $300 million last time in donations of under $100, typically under $50. And when guys come around with checks for $300 million, he doesn't need it. He tells them, get lost. And Trump gets a lower percentage of his money from rich people than any other candidate. So he then don't control him, the club for growth which is a collection of rich conservatives who want to promote free market economics, and they want to be a, but they've morphed into wanting to be a political machine and endorse the candidates who they want. And they're mad at Trump for not following their orders. Uh, Trump tells them to get lost uh, because he, ha- he doesn't need their money. And this is the first time you've seen a Republican who doesn't need the money of the fat cats. And it's not a question of patching up the rift. The rift is because he's independent and won't cotton to them. Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate it. That's great. That. He's sweeping under the rug yes. is what he's doing. Let's go to, uh, is that John? Yes. Let's go to uh, John from Staten Island. Hey, John. Hi, John. Hello, Mr. Morris. Uh, Mr. Morris? Hello? Uh-huh. Yes. Hello. Yes, hi. Hi, okay. John. Hey, okay, really quick question. In regards to Joe's dementia or Joe as an agent of China, when we are doing a, a deal with Iran that's sending w- drones and weapons to Putin for him to blow up people in Ukraine, when was the last time in World War II did uh, FDR try to do a deal with any access power that was dealing with the Nazis or the the Japanese yeah, at the time, never, and it was never blown up. Yeah, never. Uh, and uh, and and that's a good question. Biden is wrong for that. Thank God, he wasn't able to work out a deal. Thank God, the deal probably is dead now. Isn't going to be resurrected. And if Trump wins again, Iran is basically screwed. But I had an insight about Iran I want to share with you. You know, Trump imposed economic sanctions on Iran. Nobody could buy their oil. And then Biden came in and lifted that and said, no, feel free to buy their oil. And everybody assumed their oil sales would zoom. Well, before Trump came in, Iran was selling about 4 million barrels of oil a day. When Trump came in, it dropped to about 500,000 a day because he imposed the sanction. Now it's up, but it's only up to 1.5 million, not the three and a half million it was before. Iran has lost about 60 to 70 percent of its oil revenues because of the legacy of the Trump sanctions and the chances that they'll come back. And everybody's scared to death to be dependent on Iranian oil because they don't know when it's going to become illegal again. All right. Well, thank you, thank you, Dick Morris. It's thank an you, honor Doug. to be here with you. See you guys next week.
0: Thanks, Diego.